episode 68 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And today is the day, everyone. Sozin's Comet has arrived on this very special Sozin's Comet 2 episode live stream. We are recapping and discussing the final episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender, 320 Into the Inferno, and 321 Avatar Aang. Now, wow, look at this. We made it, y'all as we already said on the live stream, but now we're saying it on the recording. It's very interesting to be like referring to people who are watching us right now and people who yes. haven't listened, who haven't watched it yet or <laughs> just listening to this a few days later. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. But rolling right into it, as always, we have potential spoiler warning for both Avatar Universe TV shows, the Kiyoshi novels, Katara, the Pirate Silver, and Suki Alone. And as we mentioned above, we are live streaming right now. This is the first time we've ever done a recap with an audience. Um, If you're tuning in now, feel free to drop in any thoughts and theories in the chat window, and we will do our best to keep it up as those come in. Um, If you're listening to this post live stream and you would like to watch the live stream, it is available on our YouTube. And I also believe that the chat replay is also a feature. um, So you can follow along with um, the things that people were saying in the chat uh, as we go along, but but yeah, it's a it's pretty big, you know, moment for the podcast, Kayla. How are you feeling about this being our final Atla recap? There's a lot of emotions, um, but also just like proud of the fact that we have stuck this out with the podcast and that we mm-hmm. have this little family of listeners who, you know, have subscribed to our Patreon who like to listen to us talk about one of the best shows ever, one of the best universes ever. Uh, and that we have a couple people watching us tonight, six people right now, I think, in the chat watching us uh, talk about this live, that people are taking time out of their day to listen to us talk. And, you know, and there's a lot of Avatar podcasts out there. So we really appreciate the fact that all of you have stuck it out with us and went on this journey with us as we revisit something that's meant a lot to both of us over the years. Mm-hmm. So just really proud and just really excited about where we go next, especially as we started doing this recap of Avatar, we suddenly learned that there's much, much, much more coming. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I think about that a lot. Um, Very well said, Kayla. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think about that a lot. And, you know, it's we've mentioned it on the show before, but it's a big episode. Let's mention it again. We started this podcast in the throes of the pandemic um, in the middle of the biggest civil rights movement that this country has faced in a long time. And we were, we like knew of each other, me and Kayla, um, but we are not nowhere near as the good friends that we are today. And I largely have to thank the podcast for that. Um, and I am, I'm just so, so grateful for not only the people tuning in right now, but the people who have listened to the show over the past year and who have shown their support and sent us these amazing theories and just gotten in touch with us to want to get to know us better. Um, and I'm also incredibly thankful that it was an opportunity to, you know, foster such a, a great relationship with Kayla. Um, and a great working relationship at that. I, I, I have not said this on the podcast. Kayla is probably the the easiest and most communicative person to ever work with. Um, and I don't say that lightly because uh, <laughs> I've worked with a lot of people on a lot of different projects. It's nothing like working with Kayla. In fact, after a, a you know a week of 
working with like, you know, freelance clients and everything, when I get on Avatar Hour, I'm like, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> You're making me blush. It's just, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's the best job in the world and and we love doing it. And it is really crazy to think that we are finishing our recap of Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Like it's it's really insane. And you're right. Like this show has had a pretty big impact on us just outside of the podcast, you know. Um, and it's it's crazy to think that, you know, we started with the show and we're it feels like we're entering a new era with our podcast, you know, Absolutely. like post Atla. Absolutely. And, you know, we're hoping to have more of a physical presence. I mean, we just had a Cabbage Con episode, uh, you know, talking about like, you know, just how much this fandom has grown since we started the podcast too. Mm-hmm. And I think also a big part of why we started this is because we noticed the avatar renaissance, you know, of people, you yeah. know, falling in love with the show all over again, people who hadn't seen the show before getting introduced to it. It's just... Uh, this podcast isn't just a celebration of the content of the stories that we're told. It's also a celebration of the fandom that yes. connects all of us. And yeah, I got nothing else to say. It's just my cheeks are going to hurt from smiling, <laughs> just thinking about it. Like, it's just going to it's just going to be fun. So I think we've talked quite a lot about setting all the emotional stakes up personally for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I guess let's just get straight into it we don't have any news so we can start our recap so here it goes um season three episode 20 susan's comet part three into the inferno long ass Um, title before (laughs) yes oh my god yes um before we can get into the actual recap um my favorite piece of trivia about these two episodes is that um these are I believe it could be all four of the episodes in Susan Comet. It could be. I think it's just these two. These are the only two um, episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender that actually has a recorded orchestra, a live orchestra for the score in the episode. Wow. Um, Yeah. Um, If you go and listen to, there's a great interview out there with Jeremy Zuckerman and... I think both members of Bright are only one. And um, they were talking about how they really, really, really wanted a live orchestra um, for the last, you know, big Susan's Comet event. And I think Jeremy Zuckerman even told Nickelodeon that that him and his track team, like they would pay for the orchestra with their own money if they had to. Um, but it's it's just my little favorite piece of trivia because I love film and TV music. And, and I can... It's I love it, but it's also bittersweet because I'm like imagining what it could have been like. We had like a live orchestra for the entire of the series, but it's I mean, fine. They but, really yeah. pulled all the stops with it. This has some yes. incredible visuals, uh, voice acting, and obviously the music. Like they gave it their all. The writing is at some of its best in the entire series. Like they yeah. really just gave it their all into the finale. And there's so many thoughts we have about this. So let's get into it. If we have any, I don't have any more fun facts. I don't have any fun facts on my end to share. So <laughs> <laughs> no, let's get right into it. So as Zuko and Katara continue on their journey to the Fire Nation, Zuko worries that Aang will lose against Ozai. Although Katara is also worried, she assures Zuko that Aang is going to come back because he has to. Um, this is a very, uh, 
daunting way to <laughs> open, you know, this episode being the the penultimate episode of the series because, you know, there is already like kind of a sense of of anxiety and and not Don't knowing what's going to happen. Anxiety. Oh my god. <laughs> I had to. I'm just going to gonna end the live stream real no. quick. Um no. <laughs> Y'all heard my uh, sure, anxiety laugh over it. They're gonna, they're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> fine anxiety. <Thank> you. <laughs> um, and it's it's really effective to also kind of feel that from you know the characters, like they too are like uh, we don't know what's gonna happen, you know. So it like kind of ratchets everything and up. Also, it um, like, to this really great showing level. like Zuko and Katara being anxious themselves about the situation. It also kind of makes mm. the audience a little nervous too about you know exactly. the final showdown. This is what's literally the entire series is building up to. So yeah, yeah. Um, over at the Fire Nation Palace, Azula is being prepared by her servants uh, before her coronation as the new Fire Lord. However, after almost swallowing a stray cherry pit, Azula believes it to be an attempt to assassinate her. And without a second thought, Azula banishes the servant. Um, we're going to go slightly out of order in terms of the chronology that's just, just how we, for discussion's that's sake. That's just how we normally do it anyway. Uh, sorry yeah. to ruin the magic of putting the podcast together, but that's just how it's done here. <laughs> Um, later on, Daily agents arrive before Azula in the Fire Lord's throne room, and she berates them for being late, noting that five minutes is more than enough time for her to be assassinated, and questions their loyalty since they easily since they so easily betrayed Long Fang. Mm. Um, and without a second thought, she banishes them as well. Then Lo and Lee approach Azula, questioning her as to why she is banishing so many people. And Azula states that none of them could be trusted and that they would all eventually betray her like May and Ty Lee did. When the sisters tell her perhaps it would be best to postpone the coronation, Azula gets even more paranoid and orders them to duel each other in an Acne Kai. But they're not firebenders, so Azula decides to banish Slow while actually pointing at Lee, so now no one knows who's banished. Um, let's just talk about all of that. So I feel like I should we, laugh at this. I, I should laugh, but... I'm going to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've um we've kind of seen hints of Azula's like crumbling confidence with not only the people around her but within herself. I mean, ever since the May and Tylee situation, we saw in the episode where like she attacks, you know, where they're staying, and you know she's more unhinged than usual. You know, yeah, like yeah, definitely, definitely coming undone a little bit. Um, but this is like really the culmination of that, like, you know, banishing people left and right, even if it's in her own best interest to have them stay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, uh, Bina Bunny in the chat says, Azula's kind of right. The Dai Li did switch sides quite easily. Yeah. And yeah, I'll, I'll give her that. I'll but the give rest her that. Of, but the rest of it's a little... <laughs> <laughs> so all the servants, the Dai Li, some Imperial firebenders, yeah, and one of the Low and Lee sisters. Um, I shouldn't but, laugh at this, like I said, because you know <laughs> her mental state's gotten worse, and you feel bad for her. But also, it's just kind of funny at the same time. Like, oh, it's a very interesting situation to say the least. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, because there there is a little bit of like comedy in it, but um, I think that's kind of like the writer's way to kind of like diffuse the the what we're going the to sadness of. Azula slowly losing her at mind. At 14. At 14. Yeah. Like. Um, yeah, but we'll we'll get back to Azula in a little yeah, bit. Yeah. We have plenty um, more to say about her. 
Meanwhile, Sokka, Suki, and Toph make it to the airship base as the ships begin to depart for the Earth Kingdom. Toph earthbends them uh, aboard on one of the ships as it takes off, and they infiltrate the command bridge. And she makes quick work of the guards and helps Sokka and Suki take over the ship. Um, there's a great moment where um, Sokka says, take over the wheel, and Toph's like, oh, great idea. Let a blind girl steal the ship. And he's like, I'm talking to Suki. Um, which, funnily enough, in if you go into the trivia for Avatar Wiki, they say that um, this was Sokka's attempt to cover up the fact that he had once again forgotten Toph was blind. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming that they got that from like an interview or maybe like Avatar Extras, but I that's kind of funny. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> that <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, like I don't know if that's true or not. Um, if if you didn't know that, it doesn't really read as that, but um, it's it's just funny to consider nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, Sokka has an idea on how to get rid of the rest of the ship's crew, and he poses as the ship's captain, and he orders all the crew members to go to the bomb bay to celebrate a crew member's birthday. Sokka then releases the platform underneath the bomb bay, and all of the ship's crew fall screaming into the ocean. And Sokka increases the ship's speed to catch up to Ozai's flagship. Um, so a little more comedy here. Um, apparently the two guards that like kind of talk like, uh, you do know whose birthday it is and stuff like that. Apparently that's um, Brike. Um, really? So that's, oh yeah, God, that's another that. fun Easter egg. Yeah, that's really funny. Um, and the poor guard, he's like, it's, it's my birthday. I knew the captain cares. And then they get dumped <laughs> into the ocean. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the guy's like, happy birthday. Is classic Avatar comedy. Oh, I love it though. Um, all right. So outside the walls of Bossing Say, the Order of the White Lotus prepare for battle outside the city's walls. Iroh, feeling the power of the comet, releases a powerful blast of fire that breaks through the wall. Bumi, Pian Dao, and Paku, and several other White Lotus members invade the city. Um, this is epic. <laughs> um, the old and people. it's like the first. <laughs> it's the old people, and it's the first instance of seeing um the effect that the comet has on a firebender because we have never seen anything like what Iro does and it's it's it also it's kind of funny to consider how long he spent at the wall when he was like a general versus him taking it down literally within a matter of seconds yeah. <laughs> so you kind of get an idea of just how more powered up they are you know, mm-hmm. and also it makes even more kind of nervous for the fight, you know, between Ozai and Ang. You see how right. powerful Iroh is, and then you're just like, "Well, shit!" Like, well, shit! What are y'all doing? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, they're invading the city. They're going to take the city back. Um, back over at the palace, Azula haphazardly tries to get her hair together for her coronation. And after some struggle, she cuts her bangs off as a last resort. That's when you know she's struggling. Um, that's how you know she's struggling. <laughs> <laughs> she um, gives herself bangs. You know, we make fun, but we were all cutting our own hair at the beginning of COVID yeah. and to mixed results, you know, so can't judge. I mean, I didn't touch this, but I almost had a mullet. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either people let their hair grow out or try to give themselves haircuts. Or um, bleached it yeah. or dyed it themselves to mix results. Did something to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as Azula looks into the mirror, she sees her mother, Ursa, reflected behind her, telling her that she would not miss her own daughter's coronation as Fire Lord. Ursa says Azula's use of fear to control people has left her confused, but Azula replies that she had no other choice and could not trust anyone. 
Taking pride in her power of fear, Azula points out that even Ursa feared her, uh, to which Ursa denies this and says that she loved her. Enraged, Azula throws her brush into her mother's reflection and discovers Ursa was never really there at all, and she begins to sob to herself. So, this is a, a really heavy, uh, pivotal scene with Azula. Um, and it's the fact that we, we know that this is just a figment of her imagination, um, but it, it gives us a look inside Azula of how she actually really, truly sees herself when she's not putting on this, like, show of, like, you know, I'll I'll kill you, listen to me, blah, blah, blah. Like, deep down, incredibly neglected and damaged person. Yeah. Um, like, I also wanted to point out that there is a post that I saw of Azula not looking in mirrors throughout the series um, mm. because she looks she like she doesn't even spend like uh, let's see so I found the post so it's kind of mini fandom corner here but it is important um, okay throughout the series Azula avoids mirrors and in over the shot of Ty Lee at the circus shows that she isn't the central focus when they wipe away the Kiyoshi makeup Kiyo- like she isn't in front of the mirror she doesn't spend mm. a lot of time looking at the water she doesn't spend time looking at the water or even fretting over her appearance because she looks a lot like her mother. And mm. when she looks in the mirror, she doesn't see herself. And this person believes that in the final mirror scene, Azula's brain shifts her own reflection to personify Ursa, someone who's a huge source of instability in her life. So. Yeah. 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 And it's it's also the fact that, I mean, she obviously has a lot of unresolved trauma and neglect from Ursa. Um, and again, we don't really know the whole story here in terms of what the treatment between Ursa and Azula was really like, apart from the flashbacks that we get in Zuko alone, which implied that Ursa is kind of at her wit's end with Azula and doesn't know how to just be a mother to her, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and it's interesting considering the Phantom Corner that we had last week talking about how Azula takes on the behavior of her abuser. And it's interesting to see that she's taken on that so early in life, too. It wasn't even, you know, something she did after Zuko got banished. Like, that's been there very early on, you know? Um, and there could be a lot of reasons why. I, I remember reading some post that was talking about how Ursa simply favored uh, Zuko as a son because you know she knew how bad Ozai was in terms of of like a a ruler and she knew that Zuko would be next in line and she wanted to pamper him and and teach him the right lessons and um make sure that he would grow up to be a very capable leader and but in turn neglected Azula and being motherly and having all of that weigh on her in that way you know Mm -hmm. so and which I quite I mean I would quite agree you know it's not so much that I don't believe that Ursa played favorites but I do believe that she saw how terrible her husband actually was and tried to in a way course correct how the next fire lord would rule the country you know, I didn't even think so that's like really that. interesting. Well, I yeah, mean, it's really interesting to consider. Uh, with the with the search comics, I'm sure that they'll explore a little bit more of that because I know Azula mm-hmm. comes back for that. So, 
which yeah, and I'm very excited to see how that how that um where she goes from addressed. where we last see her in the next episode to you know where she is later. So yeah, which I I have thoughts about, but that's for next episode. Yeah, save for the next episode. Um, uh, good night, cool. Thomas. By the way, Thomas is going to bed, so <laughs> it's like two a.m. Oh, yeah. where they live. It's two a.m. So. there. Yeah. Good night, Thomas. Good night. Thanks for watching. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> dedicated. Dedic- I appreciate um, you. We really do appreciate your dedication. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, the ship Sokka and the others took control of cannot catch up to Ozai's flagship. And they're afraid that they're too late. Um, and as Ozai uses the comet's power to begin to scorch Earth Kingdom below, he's quickly interrupted by Aang, who destroys the flagship's engine and catches Ozai's attention. Ozai propels himself toward Aang to fight and taunts him that the universe seems to have delivered him as an act of providence, um, which is such a great line read by Mark Hamill, by the way. It still makes me um, I don't know what eyes, it is, though. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, but it it's just a great line read. I mean, absolutely, um, but it still makes me want to roll my eyes because it's like in the same realm of like Phoenix. Well, change. yeah, because but because this is part of Ozai's like belief that it's his divine right to become the Phoenix King and rule the world. Um, so he's like, well, of course the universe would do this, bring me like the only threat that could take me down, you know. <laughs> On a platter, yeah. Um, Aang says that their fight is not necessary and that Ozai has the power to just, to stop destroying the Earth Kingdom. And Ozai declares, you know, being a, a drama girl, <laughs> that he has all the power drama in the King. world. And <laughs> drama King, yeah. And threateningly unleashes a fury of comet enhanced firebending and he begins the battle. The Ember Island players can take some notes from him. <laughs> <laughs> literally, <drama>. literally. <laughs> I I love the idea of them like previewing Ember Island players to Ozai, like as a you know, like a you know, because they do that sometimes with like the West End and like the Queen of England or whatever. But I imagine them. Maybe that's why Diana you know, never c- made it to West End. Um. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so um, <keep> going. <laughs> whole other podcast. <laughs> but I love the idea of the Ember Island players previewing the show to Ozai. And him being like, okay, I have some notes. <laughs> and he makes everyone sit down on the stage. Um, and he's got like scroll after scroll after scroll of notes, even though his character is only in it for like three minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, drama king. <laughs> As Aang and Ozai duel, Sokka concentrates on stopping the other ships from destroying the Earth Kingdom. And as the fleet begins to rain fire down, Sokka crashes their stolen airship into the others, but it falls short of crashing into all of them. Sokka and Toph are eventually separated from Suki as their ship begins to break apart and they are forced to continue without her. I remember being so distraught (laughs) when I saw this as a little kid because I thought Suki died. I thought that was the end. That was it. Um, Yeah, it's this whole thing, especially with Toph, especially because she's not on the ground, so she can't see. And she hasn't I can't figured out imagine, the metal bending seeing yet. <laughs> right. And I can't imagine being like 11 years old, blind, being tugged by your friend across this flying hunk of metal. Oh, wait. And you don't know if, you'll, if you're will if you going to fall off or I just... Wait I till we get to the imagine. next episode and like, it gets worse. Yeah. <laughs> literally, literally. <laughs> My God. Um, back at the palace, Azula's coronation has begun, but it is quickly interrupted by uh, Zuko and Katara. Azula suggests that they settle ownership of the crown in a final Agni Kai. Katara warns Zuko that Azula is trying to take them down separately, but Zuko already knows this and senses that there is something off about her, 
so he believes he can take her by himself. Um, I <laughs> um, this will tie into Phantom Corner later, but I I love this because this has been such a heavily memed. So many uh, memes of this part bit about from Atla. Like it's <laughs> it's like up, it's like up there with uh, that's rough, buddy, and uh, oh god, it's another memed moment from Avatar. Uh, the I know the front the cactus know, juice. The, what cactus juice? Cactus juice, frothing mouth guy. Like that's another one. It's 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 so funny because like Ozula is really like tweaking. She's got bangs. She's slurring her words. <laughs> She's trembling. She's literally like her eye switching. And Zuko's like, something's, something's off, but I, I I can't really put can't my put finger me. on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Um, let's see. Um, Shivanji, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, they say, I wish Suki was in her Kyoshi Warrior uniform for this last scene. I think I do too. I Maybe it might have been like, I guess, too clunky to be like running around the top of a flying metal ship. I don't know. I don't know why they didn't uh, do that, especially because they put um, Sokka and Toph back in there. I mean, maybe it's just because Sokka's she doesn't have just, access to yeah, her like, outfit. Yeah, she would, did just break out of prison, so. Yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> Still would have been cool, though. Um, I agree with you. It would have been cool. Yeah, it would have. Um, and Zuko and Azula begin their fight, and they are pretty evenly matched. Um, but Zuko counters all of Azula's attacks skillfully before beginning to take on the offensive. And of course, let's address the fiery elephant in the room. This is such an iconic scene from Avatar. Everything between the animation, the music, the just the emotional stakes of it all. Um, and I, I just love it so much because it's also a scene that I can't imagine being scored in any other way. Uh, just like the sadness that permeates this scene while you're watching this like really epic display of firebending. And it's like, you, we've never seen anything like this um, in, the, in the show. But if you, it's like, if you even stop to think about it for even a second, you realize that this is like brother and sister fighting for the crown, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's just such, such an iconic scene. They could, I mean, and it's, it's, they could have gone with this big epic, you know, battle score, but they went and showed how tragic the scene really is. This fight is, yeah. you know. And, and I, I, multiple times watching these episodes, I, I couldn't help but thinking about how this is going to translate into live action series. And yeah. I think this is probably one of, one of the ones that I'm really stressed about because like, how could you possibly recreate a scene like this and bring it up to the, the make it anywhere equal to the emotional resonance that you have watching it in animation yeah. You know, like they have a really like, <laughs> they have some really big shoes to fill with this. Like they they do. They do. I mean, I thought about it before with like the live action series, but like making me think about how would they take scenes like I didn't even think about like this part right here of, you know, the final Agni Kai. And honestly, I think it'll also be like sadder to watch because uh like if they do it right, especially with because I'm not sure. I don't remember how old uh, Dante Bosco was when he voiced Zuko during this time. But Great Alisle mm -hmm. is an adult and was an adult when she voiced Azula. 
So yeah. assuming that they keep the casting pretty close to the ages of the characters, it's going to make it even sadder and harder to watch if they because do it they're right. Because you see their ages. Yeah. You see children. That's true. You see and hear children fighting each other. So, I mean, that's a really... Also, I just think about like with the pressure on the actors to pull that scene off. Like, I can't oh even God. imagine that. And I imagine, like, I feel like we still don't really know how, how like, you know, adult this series will be, but I can also just see it be, being a lot more brutal than it is in the show, you know? And I definitely think you're right. I think, you know, there's a lot that you can get across with an animation in terms of, like, emotion on the characters' faces, but I think seeing, like, real people in, in a scene like this, I think is going to hit differently. Uh, the other thing I stress about is like, you know, Jeremy Zuckerman is not attached to the live action series. And, but I just, I can, I really can't imagine this scene without the same music. I, I, I just don't know. And I, I only, I don't even want like a, like a, a copy of it either. Like, cause then that would just feel disingenuous. So I'm like, I would have no idea how to approach something like that. Like, Man, I think about that way too often. This, like, it's just that I think now, like, I feel like I'm fluctuating between, like, how I feel about the live action series. And it's, this just makes me, like, more apprehensive about it. <laughs> like, yeah, and, like, I do and... not envy any of the people working on the live action series right now. <laughs> at no, <all>. I don't. <laughs> I don't either. Um, God, yeah, I don't know. Oof. I don't know. But. But talking about the actual fight here, um, what I also really love about it is that it is it it's really clear that it's not just like two people like punching fire at each other. Like there is a very distinct manner in which Azula is fighting and Zuko is fighting. Azula is like heavily on the offensive, unfocused, crazy with the fire, and Zuko takes everything in stride. Uh, I think we did a fan corner one time about how. Zuko exhibits all kinds of fighting styles across the different bending disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, there are hints of water bending. There are hints of earth bending and air bending. I mean, he's traveled um, with every other kind of bender out there, so it's definitely yeah. bound to be some influence. Yeah, and and there's also maybe something subliminal there in that, like Aang, he is working to bring balance to the world, and he does that by using the balance of the four elements. You know. Um, so there's a, there's a lot, a lot that goes into this. Um, I've, I've heard that the fire animation took forever I can, <laughs> um, I for them to do. Um, I think they said that these four episodes or maybe these, I think these four episodes took twice as long as just a regular season. Oh, yeah. Like, and I can't, I can't imagine like what, what the pressure of that was like because even at that point like the the show had garnered such a following and i i can't imagine like the pressure everyone on the team must have must have been feeling to get this right but i think in a lot of respects they did like it's both it's both sad but it's also exhilarating and Amazing. I just can't say enough good things about it. It's just, it's just utterly amazing. We have a lot to say about these episodes. Like so much so that we are spilling into another episode after this about it. So, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and then Zuko ruins it because he taunts Azula for not using lightning. I wanted to slap him through the screen for like, (laughs) and I think this is, I think, you know what, this is, uh, 
young Zuko popping out. I think this is pre-redemption arc of Zuko popping out a little bit. Um, and I, it's it didn't work out the best because of that reason. Um, and Azula, you know, prepares to attack, and instead, uh, instead of attacking Zuko, he decides to attack Katara. Yeah, she plays dirty. Um, <laughs> she plays dirty, and and I mean, obviously, um, goes against the rules of the of an Agni Kai. I also wonder if lightning is even allowed in an Agni Kai because it is such a well, maybe quick... amongst well, maybe amongst like royalty. Because remember, I think at this point, only royalty knew how to lightning bend. Right. I still would say that it's not I think it's it's not allowed. I, I would say it's not allowed. Because also keep in mind, Iroh and Zuko are the only ones who know how to redirect it in Aang. You know, Iroh came up with that technique. So I mean if there's if there's no acknowledgement of the regener or redirection technique, then you know, a lightning attack would be an instant kill. And then that there there wouldn't be anything really settled. You know, point, so I would point. imagine that that lighting is probably like you know banned from you being used in Nagi Kai's, but I, mean, I, I mean, don't know. I don't know because like again, only royalty could do lightning bending anyway. So I, you yeah. know, I don't think that there was much to write in the rules of it unless it was directly impacting royalty here. You know, so yeah, yeah. And I mean, I I also doubt how often you know members of the royal family were being you know participated Agni in Kai, in yeah. Agni Kai's. Um, Mr. Eli Rooney he, uh, says, "I found it really interesting how the tables have turned. Azula is usually the calm one and super intentional, and Zuko is the hot-headed and aggressive one for no reason, but not in the final Agni Kai." Yeah, that's also something that that definitely popped out. Um, and it's it's. It also gives us like subliminally again gives us a reason because we know why Zuko was that way. We know how he got there, and now we know how he got to the calm and and uh, wise person that he is. And that makes Azula's behavior even more depressing to see because we've we recognize that behavior in season one Zuko. You know, so it's just a lot of like subliminal storytelling going on here. Um but yeah, that's that's a really good point. Um but yeah, so Azula goes after uh Katara and um Zuko, you know, in an instant he gets in the way and he tries to re redirect it but it's it's kind of too late. He has no footing. Uh he has a, you know, injury that is dangerously close to his heart. And before Katara can reach him to heal him, uh, Azula begins to attack her furiously, laughing maniacally. So she's full. Azula is, you know, off the rails, gone. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, during this Agni Kai, Aang and Ozai continue to face off. Um, I don't know why, but it seems to be like a common thing that I, I keep seeing of how like, um, like the Agni Kai ruins Ozai and Aang's attack, uh, Aang's battle. It makes it less satisfying to watch because of of the emotional resonance of Bagni Kai versus, you know, Aang and Ozai is very much like impersonal good and bad. Mm -hmm. And I I can I can kind of agree, but at the same I think it's because we've been leading to this for so long. Um I don't really see if the, if there would have been any benefit in maybe fleshing out Ozai a little bit more. Uh, by the time we get to them, because we we don't need 
we don't necessarily need Ozai to be a fleshed out character. You at see this how point. terrible Ozai is as a person and who he is as a person through his kids. Yeah. Through the damage he yeah. inflict on his children as seen in the Agni Kai, you know, and obviously right. before that. Right. And I think, I think the, the also just from a, you know, television perspective, I think the writers are kind of giving the audience both like the emotional resonance of a fight like the Agni Kai and just, just straight up emotional satisfaction with an, a really epic and high stakes action sequence, you know? So I think we're, we're getting the best of both worlds here. Um, but uh, during the fight, Aang counters all of Ozai's attacks, but he's unable to land any of his own. Eventually, Ozai resorts to shooting lightning at Aang, and he dodges the lightning until it catches him by surprise, and he prepares to redirect it right back at Ozai, but Aang sees his face, um, and at the very last minute, he uh, redirects it into the sky. Which scares um, Ozai for a second. You see him, like, it, it, yeah, scared. Yeah. Because he didn't know that he could do that. And also One. the fact that Zuko... And two, he was like going to die. <laughs> but also the fact that he saw Zuko do that. And then he realized right. his son did fulfill his promise and help the Avatar. Yes. Absolutely. I agree. So. But I think this is... I, I oh God, I, I just love this moment because it puts you in a situation as an audience member like, well, how is this going to end? You know, you, you had the shot right there. You know, like, how are we going to end this if he's unable to kill him? You know, so it's it's a lot. It's a lot. But it's it's a really it's a small moment. But I, it's really, really Important. great to kind of take a small break from just like heavy, heavy action, action, action to insert a character beat like that in there. I think that was really well done um, on, on the part of the writers. Ozai takes advantage of Aang's mercy and he sends a blast at him. Um, and Aang manages to stop most of the attack, uh, but he's blasted off the top of the rock. And he is eventually overwhelmed and cornered by Ozai. Um, and Earth bends a shield around him. Um, uh, speaking of, before I go any further, there's also a couple of moments that are awesome in this fight where Aang um, exhibits, uh, you know, feats of bending that uh, have been inspired by either other characters like for example like the the rock suit with from Toph or or just the way he waterbends you know being Katara um and just like even the first um the first time he like actually firebends and how like oh Aang is also benefiting from you know the power of the comet um just really great you know little little hints here and there and it's also like a I'm going to keep using subliminal because that's where it is, but it's like a, a retrospective of, you know, the series and what Aang has learned to get him to this point, you know? And it, I think it, it makes you feel as an audience member that he's come such a long way from the boy in the iceberg, you know? Um, but yeah, so he's eventually cornered by Ozai and Ozai taunts him and calls him weak and insults the air nomads saying that such a weak race did not deserve to exist in his world. Mm. Fuck you, buddy. Yeah. Um, he mocks Aang by telling him to prepare to die, and he attacks, and the screen cuts to black. Um, so the, all these episodes into were the aired back to back, right? Yes. Okay. I yes. cannot like imagine <laughs> like having like this is like end game level of like craziness it, going it on. It was. Could you? I mean, like, imagine having to wait another week to watch it. Like, 
I would have like if I were a little kid watching this when it aired, I would have lost my goddamn mind. <laughs> no, I, I, I couldn't imagine. But yes, it was it, all four episodes were aired as like a two hour movie, essentially. This is the part we talked um, about last time where it's like, I'm locked in my room. Do not disturb me. <laughs> like, Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yep. I don't blame you. This is worth <laughs> shutting everybody out for a few hours. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, here we are. We're at the final, final episode of Atla. I mean, let's get right into it. Right where we left off. Aang tries to hold up his shield of Earth as Ozai is just relentlessly burning through all of it with the strength of the comet. Aang's almost passing out from the heat. But as he backs into the rock behind him, he hits his back in just the right spot to unlock his final chakra, allowing him to finally go into the Avatar states in season two. Which And this was just great. This was just absolutely the power of great. a good chiropractor. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Who needs a chiropractor when you can just slam your back into a rock? <laughs> oh my god! Oh lord! So, meanwhile, cut to Sokka and Toph. They're on top of the airships where she metal bends one of them into crashing into the others. And you know, Sokka has this moment of being like, "Can I ever mention how sweet it is that you invented metal bending?" She's like, "You can stand and mention it more." And I, I, I loved this uh, part where Toph metal bends the ships because I think, I don't know how, I don't have confirmation. I think in Legend of Korra, there's a direct callback to that where um, well, Lin goes on the is pulling apart the airships of Amon. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even yeah, think of that. I think that, that's a direct that's callback. That's so cool they did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also mentioned like, isn't there a part where like Toph metal bends the door and like makes that's from that previous episode, right? Yes. Yeah. So I just I just made me think of this TikTok where this guy's just yelling at the screen, like, this girl, like, yeah. at this point, these guys have no idea that metal bending's even a thing. <laughs> and this little yeah. girl puts the fear of a god into them. <laughs> she yes. dives to the door, becomes the door, and then destroys their asses. <laughs> like <laughs> I had to mention yeah. it. I'll I'll I, I think I have it saved somewhere. Maybe I'll put that. In the I next. believe that was, I believe that was a fan recorder at one point. It was probably. It was, I, think I think it was, it was actually it might another. It might have been another uh, one of his because he's been featured on the podcast a few times. He did was in our TikTok episode of After Hour, yeah. and I yeah. think he probably was a fandom corner. He just, he, I like, I like your funny words. <laughs> like, he yells, I like your funny words because <laughs> he yells at the screen. He just yells at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite is is uh when he does Legend of Korra ones and he's thirsting um, after everyone. It's the one with uh, thirsting <laughs> after Tan Rock. He's like, imagine seeing this this hunk of a man doing Tai Chi in the streets in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh my god, I, love him. I forget the right, username. But we appreciate you, whoever does that. We appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> so. But the fun moment's over as the guards manage to spot them, forcing Toph and Sokka to jump over the side of the airship. Sokka manages to land on the platform, breaking his leg in the process. Brutal. And the only thing that's tethering Toph to the airship is Sokka holding her hand. Oh my god. Like, this is terrifying to watch. Even if you know what happens, you're still watching with bated breath as this all unfolds. More. Did you think at any point the writers were considering killing one of the gang. I don't want to think about that. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm not okay. No. Wow. You're evil. <laughs> I hate that. I don't know. I, I, I mean, logically you'd be thinking it right. Like, yeah, you know, should we, maybe. if it was, if this was another show, 
someone would have died. If this was, I I think someone may have died, and I would probably say Sokka. But that's Legend of Korra. Anyway. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> we get, we come all this way to, to finish. Our last yeah. episode of the podcast. We're breaking up after this. I can't. <laughs> Kayla's like, I stuck around this long. I'm finished. <laughs> more guards then start to attack and things just get worse. Sokka manages to lose both his space sword and his boomerang trying to save themselves. I mean, he ma- that's the real character death. He he means managed to lose both his space sword and his boomerang, and manages to knock two guys off of the ship with using like just one hand and the other one holding toff. So can we just like take appreciate the badassery of the moment right yeah. there, please and thank you. Um, but that was even worse. Also, I I I love. Sorry, I okay. just wanted to point out that um, it was only until I rewatched the episode this morning where I noticed that Asaka did not actually kill those Fire Nation soldiers that they were like attached by a tether. I always thought before that he just sent those Fire Nation soldiers to down to, the, to their deaths, but they, they're like, they're like hanging by their waist off the ed- edge just of the dangling like ragdolls. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but what's even sadder is that like, you know, Space Sword we still feel kind of sad about because Space Sword has only been around for half the season. Meanwhile, yeah. Boomerang has been around since the beginning. And that also was a true. That, that was a major character death for me. That was the character death. Okay, <laughs> it was Boomerang. But Space Sword was really cool. But Boomerang doesn't have the same emotional attachment. Okay, I know, I know, I know. The Boomerang didn't come back. Okay, that just that's just painful. They're always supposed to come back, and they don't. Um, yeah. And that's what Tasaka says as more soldiers start to show up as their grip starts to slip. I don't think Boomerang is going to come back. Toth, like these kids were preparing to die. Like uh, multiple times, by the way, yeah. Sokka at multiple points is like, if we get through this, we'll, we'll, I'll let you know what happens next. Or like, I don't think we're going to make it like multiple times. Like Sokka is Suki, prepared to die. He kisses Suki goodbye, you know? Yeah. And like, these kids were really willing to which risk it makes all. It just, um, just makes it like, like, this is worse than a character death to me is just seeing them, like seeing these kids, like mm-hmm. it just, I can't even imagine how scary it must have been, especially for Toph at that moment, like we talked about before. She can't see. She's dangling hundreds of feet in the air. The only yep. thing that's between her falling to her death and the Fire Nation, sol- Fire Nation soldiers is holding on to Sokka. And yep. him telling her, like, I don't think Boomerang is going to come back. And she basically is just saying goodbye that way. Oh, my God, I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's not the part that choked me up, though. Actually, no, this was one of the parts that choked me up. I checked it twice. I I, I, I must be a fat liar if I keep saying that. Oh, I don't get really that <laughs> emotional and sad over shows. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. But before we get too sad about things going on, Suki saves both of their asses by ramming the other airship into theirs. Uh, mm-hmm. Cut back to Aang and Ozai. Aang has unlocked the Avatar state and grabs Ozai by his stupid little goatee. And love, Aang love. proceeds to, as the kids say, open up a can of whoop ass on him. <laughs> and this yes. is the scariest. That's what the kids are this saying. This is the scariest thing that we have seen Aang do in the Avatar state, period. That was my medication alarm. So just so you all know, I'm a depressed person. How unprofessional. <laughs> wow, Kayla. I'm depressed, wow. okay? I got to take medication. Don't you see at the top of the Google Doc, it's... <laughs> 
kidding. We don't usually we haven't recorded this late in forever. Okay. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, this is the scariest you've ever seen Aang in the Avatar state. Period. He has understands all he knows how to bend all the elements, and he's just, you know, like you see all like the elements circling him as he's flying above Ozai. Um Avatar. Oh, sorry. Avatar Wiki has this uh, fun fact about the part where it says um, that, like, the elements show up in reverse order from the uh, oh. opening of the show. So oh, love that. it's like it's the elements, and it's like that sphere that he has where he's flying above Ozai. It's in order from uh, earth, water, air, fire. So. That's reverse cool. order of you know what we see in the intro so mm-hmm. fun facts <laughs> and there's also that moment where um like the the chunks of rock that are flying around him he like shrinks them down which we've is not a thing that we see ever like he literally alters the molecular information and makes the rock smaller like, that is insane. Absolutely. When you think about it, that is like beyond like just regular earthbending. Yeah. Like you don't see other earthbenders in the show like take a boulder and make it smaller. That's insane to me. No. Oh my god. Um, cut back to bossing. Say right as we're seeing this epicness unfold. Uh, the old people are uh, successfully liberating bossing. Say just effortless, almost effortless. Uh, just a bunch of badassery all around. Just round of applause for them. Um, Iroh approaches the palace and burns the Fire Nation's banners, uh, successfully liberating the city. I love this. Just amazing. Symbolism. Yeah. Uh, I almost wish that we got to see Iroh be a little more badass, but you know what? I'll take, I'll take what we can get, you know? Yeah. That this is good. Uh, back to. Well, I guess, is it even an Agni Kai anymore if one of them's out down for the count? Uh, <laughs> we're just going to go back to the Fire Nation where Katara tries to run to Zuko, but Azula's keeping him, keeping her from reaching him. She says, oh, we'll just have like the, you know, she makes a joke about like, oh, let's have the family physician look after Zuzu. Like, you know, just craziness. Oh my goodness, yeah. sorry. I lost my train of thought on the paper. We have notes because I cannot be trusted to recite this off the top of my head at all. Uh, I can't either. Could anyone? <laughs> Could <No>. anyone? <laughs> uh, but as she runs away from Azula's attacks, uh, she finds a way to stop her. After mm-hmm. using the water from the grates below, she manages to pull Z- uh, Azula manages to get over to her, and then she traps Azu- herself and Azula in a block of ice, where she swims around her and chains her to the grate and ends the fight. Uh, after subduing Azula, she runs back to Zuko and starts to heal him, and he's okay. Everyone can relax now. Uh, Mm -hmm. She then helps him up, but Azula, meanwhile, has completely shattered. She firebends from her mouth. She's screaming. She's sobbing. And Azuko and Katara are just looking upon her in pity. Like, (sighs) it's heartbreaking. One quick little thing that I I love about uh, the scene again it's just a technical thing but when Azula is like on top of the rooftop and like shooting lightning at Katara um, they animate like this weird like camera shaking and I love it details. it just makes the whole thing yeah it's the details it makes the whole thing more uh, dynamic and just like more unstable um, love that bit 
Um, and second of all, we can also just point out how uh, overall it took very little time for Katara to, um, or you know, overcome Azula, and we also now see why Azula was splitting them up because that would have been a very quick battle um, if it was both of them. Yeah. So, yeah, but this is this is, I like that you know, with, after all this discussion that we've had about Azula, um, I I did feel like really. I felt bad for her by the end of it. You're supposed to. Um, I definitely think you're supposed to. I think, however, first time watchers, I I think the emotion they probably feel is like ambivalent because you don't know how you to know feel, almost you don't know how to feel about it because like of course you're not really rooting really rooting for Azula, but when you remember that she's a kid and you see like this you know, complete shattering of a person, you're just like, oh, wait a minute. Like, maybe I shouldn't have hated her this whole time. Maybe she's a product of of Ozai, you know? Yep. And and that's not to excuse or gloss over the terrible things that she's done. But I definitely think that the way we're supposed to feel about Azula by the end of the series, I think there is a giant question mark by the end. And I like that. I like that that it's indefinite the way we're supposed to feel about Azula. Like it's not, they don't give you one clear answer, you know, and it leaves a bunch of questions that get discussed in fandom. Like, should she be redeemed? Could she be redeemed? You know, um, would Azula, you know, turn like out like this if Ursa gave her more attention? Like all these, like, you know, things that we think about as a fandom and uh, in reaction to this very complex character. Um, but yeah, just, very, very depressing. Yeah, I just want to bring up real quick because this might be Fandom Corner Part 2 of this episode, but there's a really good post about this that, um, you know, she's a t- she's like, she would have set the world on fire and laughed over the broken carcass of her brother, but she was 14. Um, yeah. You know, and one person wrote on this post that one of the show's strengths is that they didn't shy away from what a horrible tragedy it was. Even though she was clearly a villain, she did unspeakably awful things. The scene is still framed as sad. There was no celebrating. They just look at her sadly. The show had, yeah, the kids yeah. show had so much respect for its viewers and their ability to understand the complexity of the situation is that is what makes Avatar great. So. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, you're completely right. Azuka and Guitar aren't like, yay, we did it. <laughs> like, they're like, uh, we did it, but at what cost, you know? And even after Azula fatally wounds him, I still think Zuko is very sad for what he had to do. Mm-hmm. I think he feels remorse over what what he had to do to restore balance to the world, you know? Like, I definitely, I don't know. It's, it's again, just a big question mark on how we're supposed to feel by the end of it with Azula. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, pivoting right back to Aang and Ozai, the fight escalates. There are multiple times that we see Aang could have absolutely annihilated Ozai multiple times (laughs) with some of the most powerful and impressive bending we have seen in this entire series, period. Yes. (laughs) After extinguishing Ozai's rocket flames, I don't know what the best way to describe it as, just, you know, Aang brings him down to earth and traps him. Now, this part gives me chills because we hear Aang's voice echoed with 
all of the avatars of the past. This just like yeah. gives me the shivers just thinking about like the power behind that voice, you know? Like yes. he says to him that Philo Ozai, you and your forefathers have devastated the balance of this world, and now you shall pay the ultimate price. Now just um, remember with like all of those echoing voices, and he's just at his most powerful and scary that we've ever seen him. Like chills, literal chills. We see him summon all of the elements. Is this going to be a killing blow? But Aang suddenly pulls himself out of the Avatar state and lands in front of his enemy, the person who has caused him, his friends, and the world so much pain and chooses not to kill him. Yeah. Ozai then snarls at Aang that even with all of his cosmic power, he is still weak. And then when Aang turns away for a second, Aang senses that Ozai is about to attack. Thank you, Toph, for teaching him that. (laughs) And stops him trapping his arms in the earth. And then after touching Ozai's chest and his forehead and closes his eyes and implements the gift the lion turtle gave him and energy bends. It's one of the most striking visuals of the entire series, period, as Aang takes away Ozai's bending. And I just noticed this years later with the red and the blue energy color clashing. We see Aang like, you know, Aang being blue and Ozai being red. We see like the red start to swallow up Aang. And the the lion turtle warned, warned him that he could destroy himself in the process. So yeah. we literally do see him almost die doing this. I also want to point yeah. out that the blue is very reminiscent of when he first left the iceberg at the very beginning of the series. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it also gave me um, uh, Rava and Batu vibes as well. I mean... That makes sense, especially with what, you know, probably where they got some of that from for Korra, you know? Yeah. With Ozai now powerless, Aang leaves him alone as he uses his avatar state not to continue the battle, but to put out the fire. The comet disappears Mm. over the horizon and Aang reunites with Toph, Suki, and Sokka at one of the airships. And... I was like, I mean, now we've got to switch in this dramatic, amazing moment to Suki being like, did you kill him he's like i'm still alive like that part made me laugh i forgot that happened uh and ang explains how he took away ozai's bending and Sokka proceeds to mock the loser lord or the phoenix king of getting his butt whooped which i would have been funnier if they were allowed to swear it was like an ass whoop or something Uh, literally (laughs) so i mean what do we think as the as as this is being the solution to you know, not having to kill Ozai. Well, considering that if Ozai had died, he would have been a martyr for his supporters, you know? True. So, true. I think this is probably the best possible outcome of the situation. Like, if Ozai wanted, to, if, if, you know, I'm sure Ozai probably thought of this before he go into it. It's like, yo, I mean, I'm going to make it, but if I don't, it's still going to work out for me because there are people who are going to avenge me. Like, I have a bunch, you know. Right. So I'm like, I'll go down. I'm either going to go out in this amazing display and take over the world, or I'm going to go down to blaze of glory and everyone's going to remember me. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, let's see. We got um, something from Bina Bunny. Um, they say, I have seen so many takes about how Aang not killing Ozai is one of the weakest parts of the series, but the writers choosing to respect Aang and the Air Nation's Buddhist beliefs is one of the most brilliant parts of this series for me. Um, yeah, definitely agree there. I, I, 
I think, listen, I think killing Ozai is what everyone expected. And that's what not, that's not what Avatar is. There are, are giant, there are like a plenty of examples of uh, Avatar, like, you know, completely flipping those stereotypes or those familiar story beats on its head completely. And we've talked about it over the year and a half that we've been talking about Avatar. Um, I, I don't think that killing Ozai is what the show needed. It's not what the show wants to say. And, and it's not so much like a, it's not so much like a, I mean, it's definitely a morality thing for Aang, but I just think it, 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 it would not have brought us the same satisfaction to, you know, end the series with the corpse of Ozai. You know, I think it is more impactful to see the person that has caused so much pain in this world be stripped of the power that gave him that ability to cause that that pain. You know, I think that's why it, it hits different. And we can have all the discourse about how this impacts um the future of the universe. Like I said, I said on the show, you know, and I said on the show that this, this could pot, this possibly directly impacted the rise of Amon and Yukon and all of that. But, but as, as the theme of the story, this completely tracks for what Avatar is about, you know? So. And for the consequences within the universe, every action that someone as impactful and as important as the Avatar is is going to have some kind of ripple effect, no matter what. And this is the best course of action for for Aang. Exactly. So. Exactly. And I and I like that. I like just like that. This is a it's just, it's also a very inventive solution to the problem, just from a writing standpoint. And also, um, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. Um, just because you know. We don't. We never really um, knew beforehand that this was something that could be done, you know. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up with the whole energy bending thing because for some people it, it came too late in the show. Um, and you know, those those are those are pretty reasonable criticisms. Yeah. I I kind of feel that way, but it's it's. I think it's just because it's so emotionally satisfying just how everything panned out. I don't really care. Uh, at this point, maybe the same way I would care for other shows because I feel like the show earned this. I feel like everything in the show and how the show ended was earned and it made sense, you know? And that's the difference between Avatar and a lot of shows is that a lot of the way shows decide to wrap up their entire series feels unearned. And that's where you get that emotional dissatisfaction because you don't feel like anything that's happening tracks with what the story has been telling you and nothing feels earned but this is the exact opposite situation here so yeah yeah it's definitely it's i think it's a great point of discourse for the fandom because it it, it leads into some really interesting places but overall i'm pretty square with it yeah um i also wanted to point out with the uh what was i gonna say uh it's also similar with Korra's ending final with her final fight with Kuvira um mm-hmm. she doesn't kill her either like she yep. al- it also involves energy bending and she sits and talks with Kuvira for well we don't know how long she sat and talked with her which obviously would not work out as well for like an Ang and Ozai fight but showing like <laughs> yeah. they, he tried talking he did try 
We'll give him that. But showing like different ways to end a final battle, you know, and it's still exactly. feels satisfying. So yeah. Just want to point that out real quick. So it's over. Like yeah. War's over. And that final like pan over Aang as like his theme plays and and it's the aptly titled episode Avatar Aang. Absolutely. You know. He's really coming to so. his own as the as the Avatar. And yeah. God, I'm so proud of him. <laughs> and you feel that. And you don't you don't ever really even need anyone to be like, you grew up into a really fine avatar or you're the avatar that you were meant to be. Like we don't need any of that. We can just we're told through just how everything is is shown to us. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Show don't tell. Exactly, exactly. So cut to some time after the battle. Uh, Zuko is clearly still healing from his injuries. Uh, and he reunites with May, who helps him get ready for his coronation. And I guess they're back together now. She's like, don't ever break up with yeah. me again. <laughs> like that, <laughs> yeah. did, that did make me laugh. That was kind of a sweet yeah. moment. As much as we have some mixed feelings about May and Zuko's relationship, that was kind of cute. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and we see everyone back together, even the boulder and the hippo, hip, and the hippo being noticed in the crowd. I found that earlier. The swamp vendors, the Kiyoshi warriors, and we find out that Ty Lee has joined the Kiyoshi warriors. Uh, they became prison buddies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Ty Lee has taught them uh, cheap blocking. So good for them. Yeah, I love, I love, I also love, it's kind of sad, but it's also funny. Uh, like the, you know, the procession and it, almost represents all four elements and the four elements are fire, water, earth, and swamp. <laughs> exactly. I was really going to point that out. I was like, it's in my notes of like pointing out, oh, look, the crowd is almost all the elements represented and, you know, yeah. Florida. <laughs> yeah, Florida. <laughs> so yeah. I'm referring to the Florida Man episode. Yeah. <laughs> the four elements. Yeah. Water, fire, earth, swamp. <laughs> Egg and Zuko then reflect on the last year of their lives, which is crazy that all the things that we just saw happened in the span of a year. You know, about a year. Like, that's... A lot can happen in a year. Just saying. Um, Now, I... Okay, so I I lied in the notes here. As some patrons will see, uh, I didn't cry any other part in this episode. I cried at the like got choked up during uh, you know when Toph was dangling over the edge. So I will be honest here. Um, but this also got to me seeing uh, like Aang and Zuko reflecting on their newfound friendship and how they're going to rebuild together. And like especially as like a big Korra fan and seeing how the world's changed because of their friendship. Yeah. Like it got me. It got me real good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it's also it's great too because I'm I'm rewatching Legend of Korra um with my boyfriend and we got to the part where um you know they're talking about how Aang and Zuko were were such great friends and they changed the world together. And yeah, I feel the same. Like it was definitely like it's it was it's just an emotional full circle moment to think that where they started at the beginning of the series versus where they end up now, you know, world leaders. Um, <laughs> yeah, like what? Like how old Zuko again? I keep forgetting. Like uh, he'll be, he's like 16, 17 at this point. And Aang's like 12. So they're just, you know, 13 yeah. and changing yeah. the world together. I'm so proud of them. Which, bring, which brings up another mini fandom corner because you sent me this and I cackled where it said like Ozai was really um, thinking that he was going to take over the Earth Kingdom and he gets defeated by a 13-year-old beacon. <laughs> <laughs> which I love by the way. Oh. And we also can't um 
not talk about another great heavily memed moment of people from Boston say being like, is that Lee from the tea shop? <laughs> that was my favorite part about Avatar TikTok. That was like my first introduction to Avatar TikTok was the whole mm-hmm. Lee from the tea shop thing, which I was going to bring up later because they're, you know, when they're back in Bossing say, uh, yeah. you know, Zuko is crowned Fire Lord to a cheering crowd. He promises a new era of love and peace and promises to restore the honor of the Fire Nation. I mean, hey, if anyone's able to restore one's honor, it's it's going to be Zuko. Um, yeah. later Zuko visits his father in prison and essentially tells him that he's lucky to even be alive right now but he's not here to mock Ozai he's here to get answers where is his mother and we don't get that answer until several years later so <laughs> in the fandom universe yeah. I should say which yeah. we will get we will find out eventually but I do also want to appreciate the joke they made in Korra about that moment okay we'll get <laughs> yes. into more of this later that's love a bit of self-awareness yeah exactly um, you know what I I do have to say this. I'm fine with how they teach this. I think, and hear me out, I think it would have been a lot more impactful if instead of going to see Ozai, Zuko went to see Azula. And the last words we hear Zuko say to Azula is, we're going to find mom. And that, and I, because you know, I think I, while I love the big question mark that we talked about with Azula, I think Zuko going to see her and us getting bit a little bit more context about where she ended up after all of this, I think could have been um, just a little more more impactful in terms of the emotional satisfaction of seeing where Azula ends up as well. You know, I feel so, robbed. <laughs> now I feel robbed. I'm not. Gonna- I'm not going to, I'm, I am not here to tell Bryke how to write TV, but I, I, that's something I've always thought about. Um, like what it would have been like if we got that tease by Zuko telling Azula that we're going to find mom. Um, you know, so it's, it's because it, it hints more. I love when final episodes do this, where they, they tease like that there will be a continuing story, even if we don't get to see it. And we get that a little bit with Ozai, definitely. But I think that would have definitely been at least given us some peace of mind that Zuko intends to help Azula, right? Uh, Instead of, we don't know what. Like, we we don't know if he just abandoned her. Like, not thinking about the comics right now. We're not pretending the comics don't exist for a second. (laughs) Yeah, so I... And definitely, like, that could have also been played off as, like, Zuko wanting to do that, not because like he must find his mom, but like as a means to help Azula, you know, get over this trauma that she has and and you know put her on the right path. Like I think that could have been interesting, but you know. We'll get to the comics eventually. I know he keeps saying it. I, w- I was I was like eight years old when they wrote this, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, back to Bossing say Iroh is peacefully playing his horn and Zuko is just serving them all tea, leaving the tea shops back, y'all. Uh Sokka tries to capture the moment with the painting, which they all roast him for. And Toph makes one <laughs> last blind joke for all of us to enjoy. For all time's sake. For all time's sake. And then I start crying. I think that the theme that plays at the end is the Avatar's love. Is that correct? So yes. that whole doo doo like that. Oh, it's so beautiful. And mm-hmm. Aang takes a moment to look at his family and walk outside to the sunset. <laughs> I just got emotional because it's the same music that we use for our show. So 
Katara joins him and they give each other a look before hugging each other tightly. They look at the sunset together before sharing a kiss. The camera pans up and the series ends. And everyone starts falling, including me. <laughs> Fuck. Oh. It's just it's just so good. <laughs> uh, I can't I can't even like I'm imagining this in my head. I'm just reading from my notes and remembering and uh, so many emotional stuff going on here. Just and yeah, and I love that we also were just left with this image of Aang and Katara together, not them talking about how much they love each other or how look how far we've come. Like we don't, I love that they don't, they don't insult us in a way by like giving us that expository stuff. Like we don't need any of that. We know how, how far they've come. We know how much they love each other. And all we needed to see was that, you know? And I love that that's where, the show ends, you know, also, it begins with, with Katara and Aang and it ends with Katara It's like a peaceful, they're like in a peaceful world now and like, you yeah. know, just, and then also just how they like redo that with the finale of Korra too. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's just so beautiful. It is such a ridiculously satisfying ending for a show of that scale. Like they they yeah. more than stuck the landing. It is just, I mean, thinking of a lot of really good shows out there that ended, you know, or at least started good and couldn't stick the landing. Game of Thrones, um, but like, you know, if the ending isn't good, then a lot of people won't in emotionally invest in the show, yeah. which is why I don't yeah. think I'm going to watch Game of Thrones anytime soon because I know how it ends, and I'm just That's like, fair. is it even worth the emotional investment to get into it? But this does not happen with Avatar. Maybe that's also another reason why people still love it so much after all these years because they told a full yeah. story. They were respectful to all of the characters' developments. And, you know, there's just, there's nothing like it. And there's nothing else like it. And there's never going to be another one like it, which, you know, and no. I'm glad for it. And, you know, it's just... I have so much more to say, but we have another episode of record of this. So I'll save that for yeah. later. <laughs> and let me just let me just be the one to say writing a good series finale is extremely difficult. A lot of shows don't get it right. A lot of them don't. Like a lot of the times you feel left with this really empty feeling and you don't know quite how to feel about it. Um, but I mean, this is a great example, like you said, about respecting the characters, respecting the story, respecting the world that the story takes place in. Like it's, it's, it's not enough to just be good at writing. You have to fall in love with the world and the characters. And I, it's so palpable to me how much the creators loved Avatar and wanted to end it on in the best possible way. And while I, I, I could, I have, things that I think about going different ways, the Zuko and Azula thing at the end, I still would not change it in any way, you know? And again, that live action series is, is going to be up against this, this. And I just, I, I'm, I'm very anxious about it. There you Thank go. You. Kayla. I'm so glad um, I caught on, <laughs> but 
not talking about that right now. But yeah, it's just every time I watch the ending, I'm I'm just I'm just so left with this overwhelming emotion of satisfaction. Like, yes, this is how it was always supposed to end, you know, and I love that. So and everyone starts so yeah as they see the last as you see like the end show up in the sky <laughs> like me yeah <laughs> yeah because then because you think about just not only how much how far the characters have gone but just the journey you feel like you've been on the journey with exactly them. and that's and that's the thing though because if if you didn't if you were if you're not able to connect with your audience as you're telling a story and and really connect with them you could have the best series finale ever, but if they, if the audience doesn't feel like they know the characters and know what they've been through, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not going to be satisfying. And they've, re- they put in the work every single episode to make sure that we not only related with these characters, but we understood them. We were intrigued by them. We sometimes love to hate them. And it just shows how much care and attention was put into this. You know, and I could go on and on about why this final episode, these final four episodes feel so satisfying are such a perfect ending to a story like this. Because, you know, there are so many moving parts of this world and of this story that it's it was incredibly easy to fuck it up, you know, but they completely, in my opinion, stuck the landing. So period. (laughs) Yeah. So that is our last recap of Avatar The Last Airbender, y'all. So we did it. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. Let's move on to the Azula Bell counter. Um, it's currently sitting at 53. I'm so mad. Um, <laughs> so for um season three, episode 20, we got two Azula Bells, and for season three, episode 21, we got one. So let's hear it up for three Azula Bells. And the official Azula Bell counter for the entire series of Avatar is at 56. Let's talk about our predictions <laughs> that we made at the beginning of the season. What did you predict? Mm. Um, I predicted 71. Um, so Azula let me down. Um, Kayla <laughs> predicted 55. This bitch <laughs> predicted 55. She was I- one off, people. <laughs> One off. I got lucky last season too. I was what two off last season. You were like two or three off last. I could not. I was so <laughs> mad. I was so mad. And I also went through the same thing of like I was at fifty five, and I'm like, if she gets it right on the money, I swear to God. And then I heard another one. I was like, okay, I'm still mad though. <laughs> I was. I just cannot believe. I cannot. There's believe. no pride the this av- year, but I still get the bragging rights, which I can express to like maybe two other people in my life. So. <laughs> We'll rebrand you the Psychic Hour podcast. That's what we'll do next season. <laughs> Not the dab. Okay. Uh, anyway, so five congrats, fandom Kayla. Corners. We got one more fandom corner left. <laughs> yeah, congrats, Kayla. You win nothing except for bragging rights. <laughs> what have we got for fandom corner? So we did like five throughout the episode, but we do have one more, which Andre, I think you have the last fandom corner of Avatar. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> I probably should have had it ready. Um, oh, I have to come over here. This one, we figured we'd end on a funny one because we've had, because we talked a lot about heavy, deep stuff, but especially with the stuff with like, uh, particularly involving Azula and, uh, you know, the final hire with Ozai and things like that. 
Uh, so this one's definitely a lot more of a, the lighthearted side of Fandom Corner that we've had uh, pop up occasionally, especially after particularly heavy episodes. Yep. So, okay, so I'm going to share my screen here. I'm very good at stalling. Look at me go. <laughs> Look at you. Thanks for vamping. No problem. All right, so this is our first one. Oh, God. Sorry. Can you see that? Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know why it's so zoomed out. We'll just read it. Anyway. <laughs> Zuko, there's something off about her. I can't explain it, but she's slipping. Azula in the matchmaker from uh, Mulan. You will never bring your family honor. <laughs> she that. gave herself but, her own bangs, guys. <laughs> yeah, but then I have to show this one. This is probably my favorite. Um, I'll show you lightning. Kachow. <laughs> Which No, I not the old Wilson voice. hate this. <laughs> I love this. I was cackling. I, t- I swear I mean, to I, I was, was so I was, unprepared. I, I, like, Andre sent this to me and I just replied dead. And then I replied, I hate this. <laughs> so, like, uh, so we have <laughs> a lot a of a little bit of corners. rusties and an insane amount of luck. You two could look like me. Cut A little bit of rusties, a little bit of a mental breakdown and cutting your own bangs and a insane amount of luck. <laughs> you can too. could look like me. Cut you know. Oh god! Anyway, but yeah, that's fandom. Corner that's our fandom corner. <laughs> <laughs> I think we ended on a good note with that. We peppered it throughout the episode, and then we finished yeah. it off with a terrible meme. I love it though. So on to our recommendations for our final Atla episode. In case you forgot, it's our final fa- final Atla episode. <laughs> yeah, in case you forgot, in case we haven't mentioned it a couple of times. So what do you want to say yours, or do you want me to say mine first? I'll say mine. I'm going to um, recommend the Netflix, mo- Netflix 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 movie Single All the Way. This is the gay Hallmark movie everyone's talking about. It's, yes, super cringy, but it's also really good fun. Um, I love me a cheesy Christmas movie, and this is definitely it's it. Jennifer Coolidge. Um, <laughs> they know yeah, their audience. <laughs> love Jennifer Coolidge. They absolutely do. Um, and um, if you like it, and you are also fans of uh, the drag queens, uh, Trixie and Katya. I would highly encourage you to, after you see Single All the Way, to go to YouTube, type in Queens Who Like to Watch Single All the Way, and just watch their reactions. <laughs> it's, it's just priceless. Please, please, please go do this favor for yourself. But yeah, Single All the Way on Netflix. Check it out this holiday season. Oh my god. And my recommendation for this episode is um, making slash following Spotify playlists for your favorite characters and whatever fandom you're a part of. Um, I think it's kind of an underrated way of consuming fandom. Uh, You know, there's fan art, there's fan fiction, uh, but not a lot of playlists that get talked about. You know, I think it's a really interesting way to kind of show how you relate to the character or what makes what sort of music makes you think of a certain person from a show or a book or a movie that you really like. Uh, Mm -hmm. So lately, I've been absolutely obsessed with Arcane, in case y'all forgot. Uh, So I (laughs) contributed to the Vi Caitlin ship uh, playlist with my own. uh, Because I'm like, I saw a lot of really good ones. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to one up and add some more. That I that weren't on these playlists before, but I think it's just a cool way to interact with fandom and, you know, like kind of build your own soundtrack for a particular person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cool way to interact. 
That's all I have to say about it. <laughs> Love that. Love you know that. what? Maybe we, that would be actually kind of a cool side note. That would be a cool like episode or live stream or something of us coming up with playlists for Atla and Korra characters. Oh, that could be really cool, actually. So I kind of like that. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. We're going to talk about that more. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And as always, if you'd like some extra Avatar Hour in your life, consider subscribing to our exclusive Patreon at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast for benefits, including access to our Google Docs, ad-free Avatar Hour, and of course, our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. Along with this episode, as I previously alluded to, we'll be releasing a new installment of the Avatar After Hour, where we will be wrapping up and reflecting our thoughts and feelings on the entire series of The Last Airbender on our Patreon. However, if you aren't able to join us on Patreon, it's okay. We will have it be posted as a regular episode, episode 69, on the Tuesday after Christmas. <laughs> 69. <laughs> I God. mean, I've been waiting for this for so long to say that. <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, on that note, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sticking a lot, like, stay, like staying here and watching us just babble <laughs> on for how long have we been on? For almost two hours, like yeah, um, yeah. No, seriously, thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you to everyone who tuned into um this special live stream episode. Definitely not the last recap. We will be no. live streaming. This was we, insanely as, as fun. Asked earlier, we are doing Cora. We are doing other comic books. We're going to keep going, guys. We have we're keeping going. We have yeah. Avatar Studios to keep up with, too. Like, we're going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're definitely going to keep going. Um, Yeah. It's not it's not the end of the podcast. Um, It is the end of Avatar The Last Airbender. And it is also the end of season three of the Avatar Hour podcast. But do not worry. We will be back before you know it with season four. And if you want to know what we're going to be starting with next season, Definitely, definitely, definitely stay tuned on our social media on Twitter at Avatar Hour and at the Avatar Hour podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Um, but yeah, that wraps it up for us. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you all very soon. Happy holidays. My name is Andre. <laughs> yes, happy holidays. Have a have a happy, safe holiday for sure. And we already said his name, right. so and I'm Kayla. <laughs> <laughs> perfect and clunky just Dis- with a lot of spirit you, I mean, at this point it. if you forgot our names that's a problem uh, so <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> bye everyone thank you again for tuning in we really appreciate all of you showing up tonight and joining us and celebrating this amazing universe that we love so much so thank yes. you we're seeing your comments roll up now that's why we're staying on a little long just to say goodbye to you so you guys say goodbye to us so <laughs> it's like all right everyone all right everyone have a nice night and yeah we'll see you guys later all All right right. bye everyone all right bye everyone